Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. And this is Storytelling Time. I love storytelling time. (laughs) It's our flash fiction episode. Thank you, April. The voice of reason. Yes. We have picked two cracking stories for this episode for your listening pleasure today. I've chosen one from across the pond, an artful persona by Danielle Woodgate. There are lots of Americanisms in there, but the story is cracking, very imaginative, very creative, and something that so many of us can relate to. And I'm reading a story, Swipe Right, by J.J. Grafton. Oh, yes, this is the one about how none of us are actually our real selves in public on social media, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, we can also relate to this one. We can. We chose well this week, haven't we? We've chosen very well. Right, put your feet up, get your coffee. And I am now going to tell you the story of how to swipe right. Swipe Right by JJ Grafton. It hadn't been Pansy's idea to go on a dating app. After a series of disastrous failed relationships, she'd become accustomed to being alone. She could lounge about in her pyjamas all day, order a takeaway instead of cooking and drink as much wine as she liked without anyone frowning in displeasure. Her best friend Tilly had other ideas though and arrived unannounced at Pansy's house one morning. Right, she said briskly, throwing open the curtains and swiping up the dust motes floating in the air. You've been letting yourself go for months and let's be fair, you've been piling the weight on. Time to make some changes. Fishing her phone out of her pocket, she held it up in front of her friend's eyes. What is it? Pansy squinted at the small screen and read out slowly. Dating for mature singles. Are you crazy? That's the last thing I want to do. No, it's exactly what you need, insisted Tilly. The last observation was accompanied by a sharp poke of Tilly's finger, which sank into the flab Pansy had been trying to hide with baggy clothes. It's time you rejoined the real world. The two women had become friends from school days and Pansy knew from bitter experience that resistance was futile. Tilly was a human steamroller when she had made her mind up to do something. And so she watched resignedly while Tilly commandeered her phone and scrolled through her photographs looking for something suitable to upload to date my age. Oh, look at this one. It's perfect. Gushed Tilly, stopping at a picture of a much younger and slimmer pansy. It just needs a few tweaks. Wait a minute. There, she said triumphantly, showing the picture to pansy, who stared at it in disbelief. But, she stammered, it doesn't even look like me. Of course it does, said Tilly. All I've done is slim you down a bit and enhance your eyes. But, said Patsy again, what am I doing with that mouth? I look like a duck. Oh, for goodness sake, Tilly was exasperated. Everyone uses filters now. So what should we put as your interests? Food and drink, muttered Pansy, looking longingly at the kitchen cupboard where she knew there was an unopened packet of jammy dodgers. Literature, art and philosophy. Tilly was tapping furiously. That'll do it. She gave a final click and sat back satisfied. Now all we have to do is find someone who looks like a good match for you. But Pansy had had enough for one day and screwed up her courage to defy Tilly. 
No, I'm not going shopping for a man like he was a pound of sausages. As they glared at one another, the phone in Tilly's hand pinged and she gasped. Somebody swipe right for you and just look at him. Staring back at them from the screen was the image of a handsome man in his mid-forties. Luxuriant dark hair swept back from a lean face, largely unlined except for a few crinkly laughter lines around the eyes. His name's Lionel and he likes the same things as you, said Tilly excitedly. What, food and drink? asked Pansy hopefully. Tilly whirled into action, liaising with Lionel without recourse to Pansy, and after a series of posts, she sat back satisfied. There, you're meeting him for lunch at Antonio's on Saturday. No, I'm not, snapped Pansy, but with a sinking feeling knowing her protests were useless. When Saturday arrived, she struggled into a pair of Spanx power pants and tugged a green bandage dress over her hips, convinced that the dress must have somehow shrunk. Tilly applied what she called a smoky eye and lots of blusher to Pansy's face, finishing it off with a deep crimson lipstick. I feel like a circus clown, she grumbled. No, you don't. You look fabulous, retorted Tilly, dropping her off outside Antonio's. You'll knock him dead. As Tilly tootled off, Pansy peered through the restaurant window, her courage failing her. Turning on her heels, she marched straight across the street and into the dodgy duck. Savignon Blanc, double, she said to the barmaid and raised the glass to her lips, swallowing half of the wine in one massive gulp. She banged the glass down on the bar, coughing and spluttering as if some of the wine went down the wrong hole. Easy there, said the man sat on the bar stool on her right. Having a bad day? His unexpected kindness brought tears to Pansy's eyes and she nodded afraid to speak unless she actually sobbed aloud. It can't be as bad as mine, said the man. I'm supposed to be across the road on a blind date. My daughter set me up on date my age with an old photo and some stuff she made up about hobbies I haven't got. I just couldn't face it, so I left my apologies with the maitre d' and here I am. To tell the truth, I'm happier at home in my PJs and a takeaway in front of the telly. Pansy sat down abruptly on an adjoining bar stool and really looked at the kind stranger. Silver hair, receding slightly at the front, kind blue eyes and a wrinkled face, and a dazzling white shirt stretched to bursting over a budgeoning belly. You're, she began, and then bit her tongue. This was Lionel. The sob in her throat turned to laughter and she disguised it with a cough. Me too, she said, and took a smaller sip of her drink. If it's not too forward of me, shall we get a table? I'm starving and they do a great beer-battered fish and chips here. Now you're talking, Lionel said enthusiastically, sliding off his bar stool and offering his arm. Pansy smiled as they walked to a table, time enough to explain her little deception later. She had a feeling she and Lionel had a lot of shared time ahead of them. So what was it that you particularly like about Swipe Right? Other than the fact that it is quite funny. Yeah, I just think it's real life. You know, yeah. people go on these dating apps and they're not who they say they are. It's true. It is true. I mean, does anybody actually post a real raw image of themselves ever anymore? Why would you? I don't. Mine are always run through a filter of some description first. I think the only photos I've got on Facebook are ones that you've dotted. 
I may have done a little bit <laughs> for sure. Even the ones on our podcast artwork are, you know, cartoony versions of us, not actually us. Yeah, no, I d- it, it, it's true, you know. I mean, I suppose there are some people that wouldn't mind lunch at Antonio's with all it had to offer, but <laughs> they were both going to be pretty disappointed, weren't they? They were, weren't they? So really, it, it's worked out really well for them because they met each other as each other. But They'll probably have a right giggle about it. Of course they will. I do like stories that you can relate to and everybody can relate to doctored photos on social media and dating apps. Of course they can. Maybe not the dating app specifically, but definitely social media. Well, most I, th- I think the majority of people have been on a dating app at some point or another. Yeah, happy days. So what are you reading now then? I have chosen a story that's been sent from across the pond. It was written by Danielle Woodgate and she has titled it An Artful Persona. Do you want to hear it? Of course. I'm at Target, girl. Stella balances on top of a red ball outside the store. One leg pulled underneath her, cell phone jammed between her right ear and shoulder. One hand holds a half-drunk vanilla latte, the other, her left, grasps the sticky plastic handle on her cart loaded with bags. Each one is the size of a 60-gallon garbage bag, all white with the red bullseye stamped on the wrinkled plastic. They fill the shopping cart, precariously stacked on each other. If Stella nudged the cart with her hand instead of holding it, the top bag would start a cascade, knocking off two or three more before the edges of the cart would stop the rest from falling. Stella's hair is electric green, not neon green, not lime green, but electric green, as if you could wirelessly charge your phone simply by resting it on the top of her curved scalp. The hair is buzzed close and smoothed down with mousse or gel or hairspray or shellac. Even with the brisk wind, it remains stationary, much like the woman carrying it around. Stella lets go of the cart handle to reach into the worn purse slung across her chest, pulling out a lipstick, neon purple. The colour would glow in a nightclub's black lighting. Although she's not finished with her latte, some unspoken thing has pushed her to apply a fresh coat of colour. Girl, I'm telling you, get your ass over here. I wore my new Nikes and walked the whole way here after work. Now the blisters on my heels are about to pop like your baby's mama. I need a ride. People entering Target gave her a wide radius of space. Mothers carefully placed themselves between Stella and their children. An older couple take the tedious route through the far door, even though it takes them three times as long to walk there, while the husband's cane clicks out the steps for them. I don't want to hear that girl. I'm done. Cooked. I can't handle no more trauma. The one-sided conversation is loud, as if she's performing for a sold-out audience on Broadway. She yanks a pair of sunglasses out of her bag and snaps them open, but uses them more as a prop than as an eye protectant. I know you finished your shift. Don't try and sell me any of that. I don't have time. Stella shifts her weight. Her body readies itself to stand up from the perch on the red orb but she shifts her weight and switches the leg underneath her. 
The other one, she shakes as if trying to work the blood flow back into a sleep-ridden limb. Just come and grab me. I've got all these bags and there's no way I can handle them myself. She slips the sunglasses towards the cart, ignoring the obvious fact that her friend has no idea she's gesturing. Be here in ten, girl. Stella shoves the sunglasses back into her bag and uses her left hand to grab the phone from its perch on her right shoulder. Her fingers swipe the screen, flipping through her messages with the intensity of a surgeon studying a patient's pre-op information. The phone rings while she holds it and her body changes form. She straightens her spine, lifts her chin and throws her shoulders back, an entirely different woman appearing, an illusion like pulling a white rabbit from a magician's hat. This is Dr Feldman. How may I help you? Stella's voice is soft, hardly audible in the busy parking lot. She listens and makes noises to acknowledge the speaker. The bubble around her shifts. People stop going for the far door. A young girl points at her hair and tells her mum she wants the same colour. Dr Feldman smiles at the little girl and winks. Of course, I will look at it first thing in the morning. She hangs up the phone and opens her calendar app, adding a note to look at a medical file as soon as she gets to work. At that moment, a black Escalade pulls up. Windows on the edge of illegally tinted, bass loud and vibrating the pavement. The window on the passenger side rolls down and a petite blonde leans over. Girl, what are you waiting for? Girl, you need to help me with these bags. Escalade hits a button and the back lunges open, almost smacking a man typing a text on his cell phone, his eyes watching everything but where he was going. He lets out some choice words under his breath, but Escalade and Dr Feldman have heard worse and ignore his poorly phrased insults. Escalade comes round the car, her scrubs wrinkled from a long day of work, permanent sweat stains marring her clothes. What is all this? Girl, I told them about the hospital drive for underprivileged children and those bitches hooked us up. Winter coats, hats, mittens, boots and even some snow pants. Not to mention the basics. We're going to be superheroes this year. Together, the two doctors filled the massive trunk, congratulating each other for the haul. The crowd once more parting to avoid the deceptively crass exteriors. I do like that. It is funny because everybody does judge people by their appearance. Yeah, we probably do it too. Yeah, possibly. And the moral of that story is that's not something you can really do. And I think that's the moral for life, really. You can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> that's not going to stop anybody. You know this, don't you? I do know this, yeah. We will continue to do it, as will everybody else. If you're sitting there and some very loud person with electric green hair, is yawping all over the place in the car park outside the supermarket, then you are going to judge. That is true, you are. Absolutely, you are going to judge. <laughs> I love it. I think it's really good. That's true as well about some of the books that we read for the podcast, because you look at some of the covers and you think, oh, that's going to be really good, and you open it up and it's a complete disappointment, and vice versa. There's, there's books that I've not read because I've looked at the cover art and thought, no, I'm not reading that. Yeah, I've heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Anyway, speaking <laughs> of books, what have we got coming up next week? So next week we are interviewing Ivan Luis Hernandez about their book, Isla Vulnerable. 
Interesting. This is one that you chose. I think you've read like snippets of it and judged it to be similar to some others that you have quite liked. So I'm looking forward to reading it because it's something that I wouldn't ordinarily have chosen. And I do like to be stretched a little bit now and again. I started to read it and I'm quite gripped, Mm. if I'm honest. Yes, I am. I want to ask questions, but I don't want to spoil it for next week. (laughs) I absolutely am not going to say anything to you about it. I can't wait to interview Ivan, if I'm honest, because there's lots and lots of questions. He's the son of a former US spy. Wow. Yeah. See, exciting people on this podcast. That's fascinating. So until next week. Take care of each other until next time. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send in your flash fiction submissions, you just need to email us at beerbookspod1 at gmail.com. And now that you're part of the Beer Books family, why not share us with all the bookworms and creatives in your life? <laughs> <laughs>